Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. Uh, the Comedy Bureau Field Report, again, is a member of the Believe Podcast family. That is why on your podcast platform, it reads Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report. You know, if you want to believe in a podcast, that's nice. I don't know if I could feel that, but, um, you know, that's not up to me. That's just the name of the uh, podcast network, Believe, and it's spelled B-L-E-A-V. That also was not up to me. Uh, enough of that. Um, on to this week's guest. Of course, as with all weeks, uh, another one of my favorite people in comedy uh, from the illustrious wild and wide world of clowning, uh, Chad Damiani, everybody. Wow, thank you. What, a, what an intro. Thank you, Jake. Well, pleasure to join you, Jake, and have a chance to talk to you for more than five minutes after a show in a cold park. Yeah. Uh, which I feel like is what we're allowed to do in quarantine. Like uh, yeah. that would be the guidelines. If you choose to do an outdoor show, which we recommend against, do not more, spend more than five minutes post-show. Um, and you have to choose between notes or catching up with friends. Yeah, no, I know it does feel like there's sometimes you kind of get sucked in after you do, you know, I do two outdoor shows a week and like there's this, just this excitement overwhelms you about, and then you're like, oh, right. We're not supposed to, like we're supposed to keep moving. Like it's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I like some of the big, bigger outdoor shows I've been to. That's like been shut down real quick. Like where they have security and they have like COVID officers and stuff like that. Um, oh like, yeah. Like the show will end, and then it's almost like you know it. You know, um, like everyone's getting kicked out of a bar. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, like it's it's, it's necessary. You know, it's funny. Um, last night which was sunday mm -hmm. um we we hung out uh, a bunch of the performers and we talked for probably longer than normal but like it felt like we had permission because it was so ridiculously windy so right. we also had no pleasure either like it was this <laughs> like it was like the wind was whipping our faces so hard it's like well I, I feel like this is probably protecting us somehow but at the same time it's like i want to be in my car this is too cold right 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 that's our, such a desire for normalcy is that like you just want to rationalize that uh, high winds means better ventilation. Something, yes. It yeah. means something, yeah. <laughs> But you didn't check any further than that. <laughs> like, no, no. I've, I've not Googled it. And for, for all I know, I'm having droplets thrown into my face at high velocity. Like that, that fast winds are the worst thing. But immediately right. I went to like, this must be good. <laughs> But you, I, I would say, uh, from what I understand, you can kind of have a quarantine, you like marin, uh, maintain a quarantine bubble with like the groups you perform with now, mm -hmm. right? Yes. So Yeah, like uh, I have a limited amount of people I perform with and we're all, I mean, I'd say most of us are getting tested a couple times a month and this and that. You know, you still don't have control. And once in a while you'll see like a fellow performer and you'll just see something on Instagram and you're like, oh, that's a, that's a lot of people. Like, so there's a, there, there are those moments for sure where you're like, to what, to your point, you're like, oh, are we just lying to ourselves? Like, you know what I mean? Because we put all these, you know, we bring, we do a mask show on Wednesdays and we bring, we disinfect every mask and we disinfect right. them. But like, or like, are we just kind of going through the weird motions, but in fact, are not doing the protocols in a way that really matters. You just, you know, right. it, it definitely crosses your mind. Right, right. 
Absolutely. And uh, it will continue to cross all our minds until we get a vaccine, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. I do want to hear more about this, but uh, let's do just a little bit of news. Sounds great. Yeah. And then we'll uh, we'll, uh, we'll hear more about that. Um, First, I want to talk about, uh, well, I mean, generally, because of the election, that's pretty much the news of the last week. There hasn't been a whole lot of stuff that's happened. But interestingly, uh, today, uh, Adult Swim, uh, they annually do, they, for the last couple of years, have annually been doing a big time festival. And now uh, they want to do another one. And rather than postponing to do it in person, they're going to do everything virtual. Um, they did a virtual festival called Adult Swim Con earlier uh, this year in the summer. But they uh, are having this one uh, this this weekend. And it's uh, Friday, November 13th and November 14th uh, on Saturday. And they just announced the full lineup, which, you know, it's not su- entirely surprising. Eric Andre is going to be a part of it. Rick mm-hmm. and Morty is going to be a part of it. Um, there's going to be uh, Tuca and Birdie moved from Netflix to Adult Swim. So that's going to be part of it as well. Uh, there's going to be uh, watch alongs with live commentary of like Three Busy Debras and uh, Space Goes Coast to Coast. Uh, a tsunami thing, you know, everything you would probably imagine. And uh, I just wonder, like, forever how much longer all of this has to last. Is this going to be enough? Is this going to be enough to sustain live shows (laughs) at that scale? It's interesting. And, you know, I've, it's always interesting to me when it's, they're trying to sort of manufacture something. Mm Mm-hmm where like you know like the cute like oh we'll have live commentary and like that's sort of our that that's the replacement for like the lively q and the q and like right and it's like but is it yeah (laughs) is it you know is it like i was like i i applaud the creativity Mm -hmm. um but at the same time it's like especially with a festival right my god it's it's so much about just being around like-minded people Right. Like it's not just about what you're watching; it's about who you're sitting with. Right. And uh, but but again, like, what is the option, Jake? Is it yeah. to just shut it down and be like, we'll we'll be we'll live again in a year or whatever? It's, I you know, you can't blame them for trying. Yeah, it's it's either or. So like you know, on the flip side of like Edinburgh, like they're just you know doing it next year. Mm-hmm. The whole Fringe Festival, which you know, I'm sure is you could probably calculate is a certain good percentage of uh, Edinburgh's economy annually. Oh my God. Yeah. That month must, I mean, they must bring in more in that month than the entire year times three. Like, yeah. um, but yeah, like, I mean, when you think about Edinburgh and those tiny theaters and mm-hmm. those clogged streets, it's like, I mean, there's just no way to do it. And no. I just hope even that by next August, mm-hmm we're in a position for them to figure out a what, because Edinburgh certainly isn't the type of festival where you're like, we're going to do 20% capacity. It's like, you can't what? Like no. how? No. Yeah. yeah. It's, so what? Every, every show is going to have five people at it. Yeah. Well, we can do that here in LA. We do that anyway. <laughs> just come to LA folks. If you just want to come to indie comedy shows with five people, we've got you covered. <laughs> yeah. In fact, go to the Hollywood fringe. It very much happens <laughs> the Hollywood fringe. 
Oh my God. What a, you know, and I have a lot of friends who put up great work at the Hollywood fringe, but boy, like when you hear about like all the, like, it's, it sounds a lot like Amway. Like, it's just like, (laughs) well, you've got to go to the greet. You got to go to the, you know, you're going to, you can go meet other performers who might go to your show. You're like, Oh man, this is this, this pyramid is complicated. (laughs) Right. I remember I went um, to their sort of like, they had this big display table of everybody's like, um, like flyers and cards and stuff one year and I kind of perused it and there were so many solo shows that were like oh this is what stand-ups would like we'd make up to make fun of solo shows we didn't think this would be like real right yeah I mean I think the solo show is to the ultimate sort of vacuum of criticism you know like like it's not that necessarily like it's like oh you had an idea you developed an idea you created the like there's no devising process where there are a bunch of people involved who might be like is this a good idea is this should we do this you know right. like right. and then you end up with uh i mean i can tell you i went to a one person show about three years ago uh, with a performer whom i find delightful mm-hmm. and immediately realized like i was in trouble like in like and uh, fell asleep, I think, oh, within, no. min- within minutes. And, and then, like, a deep sleep, too. Like, a, a full permission sleep. And mm-hmm. I remember I was with um, Juzo Yoshida, who I used to perform with. And, yeah. we, and, he, and I woke up to find him sleeping. And then, <laughs> and then I kind of turned around. And I, I didn't realize, because it was so dark when we got in, that we were, like, only one row away from the tech booth, which had no guard. So we right. were essentially sleeping three feet away from the guy running the board. Right. Clearly, like he could clearly see it. I mean, that has to be very dis, dis, uh, disheartening. Right. You're doing a show and you watch two people fall asleep within five minutes of the show. <laughs> or, or vindicating. Maybe the tech person hates the show and it's like, I knew oh, it. you're so right. You're so right. Probably like, yeah, exactly. I had when notes. They, they didn't listen to me and this is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, are you looking forward to, I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm curious and maybe we'll get deeper into this later, but like post pandemic, what do you envision doing? Like just more picking up right where you left off? God, you know, it's a great question. Cause I would have three months ago, four months ago, I would have said, yeah, just like kind of sit it out. And, but I've been doing so much new work and trying new things. And I mean, I would love to travel again. Like that, that just seems like, you know, whatever I'll be working on, I definitely want to take it places. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, Vegas, you know, I do work with uh, some freelance work with Spiegel world and, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been watching as they've been, you know, they just reopened absinthe, which is a show, their big money show. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I look at that and, you know, that, it's both, I think really like, I know they put a ton of money time and like science, this, like they have been listening to the right people, but there's also a terror in it, you know, to sort of like, Oh my God, these intimate little variety clown shows we used to do. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I guess for me, it's like, I know I want to bring something out there, but I think the product will be different by the end of this because I am learning a lot mm-hmm. about sort of even the shows that you've attended that I've been doing right. about like a different sort of, um electricity a different oh, yeah. sort of wattage mm-hmm. that like that you have to have like when you're performing with a mask on outside and a crowd that's spread out so like oh i want to keep that mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like i want to bring that into a little room 
Right. And I want to see what happens. So yeah, I don't know what it's going to look like. And no. I'll tell you too, stand-ups. You know, I did um I did hot tub a few months ago, and I remember watching virtually? it uh, virtually. Yeah, and this is before, and they've they've continued. Joel and Mandy have continued to sort of, you know, refine it and and add things to make it one of the better I think stand-up shows online. But I remember watching stand-ups who were literally just doing their act in a vacuum. And then I watched the other day when my friend Natalie did it. Right. And it felt like the standups were all really starting to think about camera and oh, yeah. perspective. And I was like, oh, I hope they don't let this, I hope they don't lose this. Right. Like, I hope they don't go well back to standing um, solitarily behind a mic. And they're like, oh no, now this visual cinematic dynamic, can I bring this to the stage? And mm-hmm. can I, you know, up my game? But, but right. I don't know, like, I, I don't know if they will, or they're just kind of biding their time and adapting for now. Yeah. Well, what I've seen in like outdoor standup shows is, I mean, there is a lot of rust that everybody has that they are having to shake off um, and also trying to navigate doing new material or like having a very rude awakening that old material just rings so hollow now. Yeah. Like any anything that you wrote before COVID I think largely I've seen land flat or if you just like do sort of pre quarantine stand-up tropes, like, Oh, have you been watching such and such show? That doesn't really go that well. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting too, because I wonder if that kind of humor is sort of rooted in communal experience. And now there's this overwhelming communal experience that makes all of it feel unimportant. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's also a struggle for standups is just like, you know, with everything that we've go, gone through and uh, in this time with the pandemic and the election and like our, you know, a cultural uprising, uh, it's hard to sort of configure what you would want to do on stage and be motivated to be funny. I mean, a lot of it seems yeah. so pointless, you know? Oh my God. You know, it's funny. Like last night you were at a show that I was in and, mm-hmm. and I have like everything that I've, everything I'm in, I'm like part of the design of it, you know, like, right. like I'm, I'm a producer on it. And mm-hmm. I was so adamant about like, no, poly- like we're going to be the escape. And then last night I'm like, Oh, I'm going to do some right wing stuff, like right wing comp. Cause I was like, today's probably the only day. <laughs> <laughs> this one day where yeah. everyone's got this sort of wave of excitement, we can laugh because then, you know, once like all the machinations start up again, like, I don't, but, but like, yeah, like I feel like whenever I've watched someone being very political, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be, and I haven't been certainly to as many stand-up shows, I've been to a few uh, live and uh, on zoom, I'm just like, Oh my God, what did I, what did I did like CNN and like, did I cross like streams? <laughs> like, I don't, I, I'm trying, I don't want any of this. And, right. and yet like these, sometimes these were comics I was watching that I feel are so deftly talented at talking about these issues, right. but I just don't have the constitution for it. Like, I just sure. feel like I don't, I, I don't feel connected to you. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like connected with this room. Right. And this is just reminding me of the thing I'm trying desperately to forget. Right. Absolutely. And that's something that like, you know, you know, I am a mastered stand-up if we can even say that there's such a thing. Um, 
because I don't I, I feel like it never stops in terms of like you growing and evolving but like you should be able to sense that in the yeah. room and like call an audible or like you know go do crowd work or something have you yeah. noticed this too Jake I've noticed that um and this is I've had a couple of friends who I actually like as someone who like kind of does clown and stand up together who like mm -hmm. I have asked for advice from and admire right. and feel like they know the mathematics and right. I've seen that that if you have like a slower patient delivery mm -hmm. that off on in a club it reads as confidence and right. it builds energy but right. outside it feels like why am I watching this person like Right. Like the, the real struggle to be like, oh, you have to really, you have to earn it. You have to get them. And, right. and it goes diametrically opposed to people who I have watched slay with this, right. mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, oh, wow, your, your very cadence right, right now is being taken to task. Right. Well, I will say, so there, I mean, there are the, uh, the whole idea of a standup venue being properly set up as, you know, like in a comedy club is, to cut off all attention and distraction um, that it has nothing to do with a person talking on stage. Yeah. And so that allows for people to have a very uh, uh, direct and considered measured cadence, you know, that reads as confident. Um, but then outside, like, you know, people who've done sort of these like, um, traveling amphitheater shows or play like stadiums will tell you that you got to play at a different level. Yeah. You got to talk faster. You got to be more high energy um, because you're outside and you know, there is just silence itself is pretty loud with like 5,000 people. Right. You know, so you got to keep that in mind. Uh, I think I brought this up on the pod before, but Jim Gaffigan once played for, uh, open for the Pope, like the Pope visited Philadelphia and they had a bunch of different acts like open for the Pope. And it was something ridiculous. Like, you know, I want to say a hundred, 200,000 people like attending. Oof. Yeah. When will that ever happen again? Huh? And, uh, like he commented that like after his set that he did, he did about 10 minutes and he's just like, well, I just went up there and said my jokes. I don't know if I did well or I did bad. It's hard to like gauge response from that many people. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could have 40,000 people laughing and hear nothing. Yeah. You know, in a room of, with 200,000 people, it's just like, it's, yeah, I don't even know how you'd read a, like you really just have to trust the material at that point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, numbers wise, there's some people will really love it and they'll probably come up and talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, I, that does check out in terms of like being outside. There's so much opportunity for the audience's attention to be diverted. I mean, as you've experienced like these outdoor shows that I've gone to that you've done, like they're in parks so there are often kids that just wander on stage mm -hmm. or there's like a dog that just so many dogs, so many dogs, <laughs> um, you know, there might be an uppity like a Christian duo that um, thinks they're being funny, mm -hmm. <laughs> which was like, 
I mean, it's one of those things where like, man, if they were part of the, you know, group, that would have been really great, but they're not. Yeah, yeah. And it's also like this, and Clown does give you a little more training in terms of like, because you're in complicite with the audience so often, but like, there is that moment where you're like, oh, well, the audience is at least interested in how badly this is going. So like, you don't know, like normally, like if you're in a club, it's like you shut that person down. Like you, right. you devastate them. But in this version, you're like, actually, this is the, like, they kind of all perked up. I have to kind of, I have to dance a little bit more with this partner I don't want because like, <laughs> it's interesting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's all, it's such a, I mean, I will say this, if you are open to it, mm-hmm. we have, we, we have so much we can learn because of these absurd restrictions. Like, oh yeah. No, you, know, I, you can learn. Yeah. I definitely think in terms, I mean, like of pushing comedy forward as an art form in general, I think that's going to be good. You know, a bunch of people who you, you would have, you couldn't pay them enough money to do like live stream standup. Now it's like a norm or like, you know, what people learn from playing for drive-ins, which is historically never, ever been done in the history of comedy ever which is so strange. Have you been to any one of those, Chad? I haven't. I spoke to a friend who said the, the show that she had done, mm-hmm. that the cars honked instead of laughing, and it's which to me is, blows my mind. It's like, because <laughs> a honk to me is just, I mean, you can honk at a friend if you see them, I guess, on yeah. the side of the road, but right. 90% of honks are like, go f- screw yourself. Like, so it's <laughs> like, to get that reaction to a joke is like, so blows my mind. Right. I mean, those, it's been, the sound has been specifically engineered as to raise alarm. Yeah. Like panic and alarm. Yeah. So like to try to in the moment while you're performing, like recalibrate, like, Oh no, they, they, they like it. They like it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why they're screaming at me with their cars. It's like you're in an abusive relationship with these cars and yep. you're like, no, no, no. That's what they do when they like you. And you're like, oh no, no, yep. you've, you've rewritten, rewritten this right. to sort of protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went to one driving show where they actually prohibit honking, which is even a weird sentence to say, but um, they, instead they give you these like a uh, sort of party favor clappers, like these plastic hands and you just like use that and like, Hmm. It's interesting. It's better, but it still sounds uh, inhuman. And uh, if enough people are doing it, it sounds like a locust or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) Uh, you know, I'd be interested to see how you, you guys would like clowns would deal with drive-ins. Cause I mean, you know, people are in their cars and you could probably have a lot of fun just going around the parking lot as long as there was somebody to shine a light on that. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think that would be fun. I think too, like the the challenge with clown in a in a parking situation where is that we are looking for a variety of reactions from an audience. Right. So like we only like it's like happy, sad, angry, frustrated. They're all the same sound. <laughs> so it's hard to <laughs> hard, you know you're like oh I don't know if we're killing it or they want to kill us. You know. <laughs> right. Right. Um, we'll get, uh, more into, um, that and just after one more news story.
I just found this right before um, record, uh, recorded. Um, so following both the release of uh, Borat subsequent movie film and uh, Trump's uh, loss in the 2020 election, Sasha Baron Cohen tweeted out a uh, picture of Donald Trump shaking hands with Mark Zuckerberg, the founder and creator of Facebook, and uh, said, uh, one, da- uh, one down, one to go. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, that makes me wonder. I'm curious your take on it because, you know, I don't know that you, like a lot of what you and Natalie and Phil and everybody, like you guys don't really aim for being political or like sending a message. <laughs> Um, necessarily. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's fair. More than fair. More than fair. <laughs> um, that, you know, is what Cohen, Sasha Baron Cohen does like, is that comedy truly speaking truth to power? Is, do, I mean, can we even gauge the effect that it has? I mean, a, a lot of like the, I would say, you know, Borat to subsequent movie film and who is America was very like, yeah, I know. I know America's this bad. Yeah. I know what you mean. It, I, I, I struggle with it. And actually, you know, I have friends involved in the idiot workshop and sort of at the sort of top layer of that organization, I think they're struggling a lot, especially in COVID mm-hmm. with like, can we say something, you know, like we focus so much on the idea of abstraction and nonsense and saying like literally nothing right. like, uh, but can we say something? And you know, those guys that did a couple, like, I don't want to call them stunts because I don't want to belittle it, but like, I mean, it's just like, you know, like they had a van that had democracy on the side and they had people pushing it through Hollywood. And Mm -hmm. I guess here's the question for me. And it's like, and I don't ask this in sort of a way that like, I think there's a right or wrong answer. It's like, is it simply that you're, you want your art to reflect what you are feeling and what interests you, or do you think your art is somehow impacting how people vote? How, like, obviously in Los Angeles, what does it even matter? Right. Right. Like, like to make a gesture like this, go to like Moline, Illinois, go to, you know, go to South Carolina or Birmingham and you do this democracy thing, then it it gets a little more interesting. Um, Not that I suggest they do that, but like, I just think with a guy like Sacha Baron Cohen, whom I have a, a enormous amount of respect for, just out of just sheer, just brass balls, you know, oh, like yeah. beyond just being a very funny, talented uh, clown and comedian, right. you know, he's just at a point, I think, where this is what he's thinking about. This is right. what he's interested in, you know. Do I think it may, like, do I think the last Borat film had any effect on this election? No. No. Like, I think, I think, people who wanted to see certain people, you know, take their lumps went, but I don't think anyone, you know, I don't think there's any efficacy in terms of shifting perspective, right. but does, is that the bar? Do you, I mean, why should that be the bar for a, any performer? You right. know, so like, he's just interested in taking on these things and there's an entertainment in the fact I'm taking on powerful people that has existed for years. Right. So good for him, you know, like, I guess, you know, it's just sort of that thing is like, well, he doesn't have to make an impact. It's so funny. You know, you look at someone like um, all the stuff with the NFL and it's like, 
you know, you feel like, or the NBA specifically, like you watch that happen before the selection, you're like, oh, I think this is making a difference. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, I think these huge sports stars right. using their platform, refusing to, mm-hmm. you know, play a game. I'm like, oh yeah, this is like young people mm-hmm. are being brought in. I don't know if that's necessarily true about, you know, but, but, you know, Facebook is, in, I would love to see people in power mm-hmm. taken on, if not just for the joy and clown of removing status. Like it's just, it's a proven formula. So why not? Right. You know, so, but yeah, like I think, I think I in the past have had this reaction where it's like, well, what is it going to matter? Like, who do you think you are? You know, and that has softened greatly. And I'm like, oh, you think you're a comedian who's interested in this and this is what you want to, so good for you. Um, Like I, it's, it's unfair for me to have an expectation that you are going to, in some metric, accomplish something other than making something that might be entertaining, you know? Right, right. And who's to say what the longevity of that would be and what the effect is layered down the line? Because, you know, decades and decades later, people are still quoting George Carlin about rights, about abortion. Still, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I don't think an argument can be made that that hasn't had an effect. I mean, I think it's like you want truth. You know, honestly, too, if not only for the sole reason that comedy has also in a very strange way, and maybe it's more common, you would know better than me, Jake, but like, I do feel like there's just a whole army of comedians who are kind of blathering more of like this conservative right wing. Oh, Oh, am I going to get canceled? Uh," You know, like, (laughs) like, so it's like, I think just out of the sheer necessity for evenness and energy, right. Like I want comedians on the other side going, actually, you know, we're still punching up and we're still taking on, right. you know, like, so just, just so comedy doesn't right. kind of delve into this. I mean, my God, I, it always shocked me, you know, the times I've gone out of town and like done stand up, and right. I was like, it's so funny. These comics are just making like making their bread and butter on talking about per- them being persecuted while standing in front of a sold out crowd in Michigan. Like, I was like, I was like, it's so absurd. It's like the fact that like, so, you know, for someone like Sasha Baron Cohen to be like, Hey, let's, let's take on this, this guy who's so rich and so powerful. Why not? Like, it's fun. It seems evocative. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I, I think it's great that he does it. I, I'm just curious, I guess, down the road to see like, yeah, what lasting effects does that have, you know, did it amount not not that he needed to have a goal of it doing anything other than the exhibition of it um right yeah but you know i mean especially in the last several months people talk about like comedy's role now and going forward and how they're really pushing the satire truth to power role and like that's a facet of it but it's only a facet and like that's not everybody's lane and a lot of people aren't good at it and um, to try to make all of comedy that is a little weird. I mean, obviously, with the times that we are currently living in, it's hard to not talk about, especially in stand-up, what we're going through. I mean, even yesterday, you know, you wanted to play these sort of right-wing trolls, which was very fun, I thought. Um, you got the audience chanting late-term abortions. Yeah. <laughs> late-term <laughs> abortions over and over. <laughs> um, 
which I thought was very, very fun. And I mean, I guess that's like you, you, you playing with politics a little bit, but I mean, it, you know, really delved into the absurd very quickly. Yeah, it's, it's so like for me and just me as an artist, like I want to find something that might stimulate, but I am really not here to make you think. <laughs> like, yeah. like I'm, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm here to sort of like, I do feel like comedy has a self-care sort of lane as you were talking about lanes and like like for right now for me it's like if you can come here and not think about things for an hour then i feel like that is as valuable as i mean we're just also in such a relentless news cycle it's like you know there was a time i think that if you went and saw lenny bruce or carlin it was like they were talking about stuff that you wouldn't see in the newspaper, you know, like, right. like that Mike Douglas wasn't talking about this. Like, mm-hmm. and now I feel like things are being talked to death and we have talk. like, it's right. just everything is being examined and overexamined. So right. as a standup, if you're going to bring this stuff up, boy, you better be pretty good at it. Right. You know, if you really want to get people to think of things from a different angle and I don't think you, it should be your obligation. It should just be what you want to do if, if that's right. what you want to do. Yeah. I think there, there's a lot of people tussling with that, and but it seems a little simpler with clown. I mean, like there's a much more clear, like as you just laid out, of like having an escape for an hour of just sheer abstraction and silliness, and yeah, um, which you guys do wonderfully. And uh, why don't we talk about that more now? So for people that are unacquainted, uninitiated, how would you describe the state of clowning as now as you know it versus, you know, what people might conjure up if you mention clowns like a, you know, a kid's birthday party or something? Well, I think it's important to state too that like we are definitely part of the offshoot. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like clown has a a long story tradition of centuries and centuries and like there's like there's particular training and there's lecoq training and Mm -hmm. you know and a way to move and like circus shows and russian clowns and you know sort of lost in los angeles specifically Mm -hmm. you know we've definitely like kind of a you know whether you want to call it adopted or appropriated (laughs) however however you guess you feel like Mm -hmm. we sort of taken these principles of just connecting with an audience and you know chasing your bad ideas and being absolutely transparent and truthful in a moment of, 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 of nonsense and absurdity. Like that's, you know, like that we are trying to win you over with our sheer desperation for you to love us, right. you know? And, um, and that's, I think you could sort of boil down almost all the different kind of iterations of this new clown movement in Los Angeles. And also I think places like San Diego and San Francisco, I can't speak to the whole country, but right. I go there it's people who really want to play in the most freest way possible. Um, they, they, they want to make big physical choices. They want to live in like sort of funny emotional truths. And, right. you know, I mean, it's like, funny last. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, in like improvised sort of scenes. Some yeah. And, and also we have, because of its popularity, we've really kind of embraced long form improv. We've embraced all these other kind of things that also exist. Stand up, you know, if you look at like Christina, Catherine Martinez, it's like, we're just, we're sort of sucking in all these different things, but with this idea of like, no, it's for the audience. 
And we are going to win them over with foolishness, whether it be simple or profound, you know, like that idea. And, um, and I think we're still figuring it out. I think a lot of clown in LA is also a simple rejection of traditional long form improv, like to be totally honest. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's just a simple rejection of it. Like right. it's this idea. And again, I still improvise. I improvise for years. I have no, I have nothing but love in my heart for like, I think it's certainly fun, but I think when you watch sort of entertainment kind of hit the zone of like, how can we make everyone more comfortable? How can we, how can we make things safer and give ourselves a greater chance of success? I, it makes total sense for students in the community, right. but like it, feel, it, it can feel toothless. It can oh, yeah. feel sedentary. Like, yep. you know, there's a reason that you're like, they're not doing heralds at Griffith Park. No. Like there's a very good reason. Like, yeah, you know, um, and I think a lot of people were feeling like, oh, I don't want to fall into, I want to play with others and I want to create things, but I don't want to fall into some sort of, you know, this game plan that we're all following to sort of create this sort of singular product. I want to be free in my, my absolute self, right. you know, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, too, like, I think one of the, you know, it's funny because um, like, even when I teach, I always call it uh, clown improv and I know Jet Eveleth, same thing. And, right. and, uh, and, you know, there's idiot work and like, there's a reason we don't use the word because there's also such a beautiful tradition of skilled clowns, you know, right. like jugglers and acrobats and like, right. and we just, tra we trade almost exclusively in failure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, would you, you say that's like a LA thing or like, yeah, I mean, cause you mentioned like sort of clowning in LA versus clowning elsewhere. Or like I'm assuming, you know, traditional clowning being, yeah, in its most traditional sense being taught in like France, right? Yeah, France, Russia, Italy. Um, yeah, a lot of European a clown. Um, I think you're seeing, uh, but yeah, like, I mean, look, they, like there's schools, like if you go to Gaulier in, in, in France, like you're going to go out there and he's going to teach you to learn how to love to flop, you know? Yeah. But there's also like circus school, like mm -hmm. there's people who are just, you know, you know, uh, this, working the silks and like figure, like, and they're building acts and, you know, uh, you know having had experience um, last year doing a lot of stuff with Spiegel World, just families, fourth generation Chihuahua trainers and like <laughs> really? and contortionists. Oh, yeah. Um, wow. There's an amazing performer named Christian in a show called Opium that I worked on. And like, I think he was third or fourth generation. Mm -hmm. And like this just, you know, he just grew up training chihuahuas, you know, it didn't hurt that he was like born outrageously handsome also, and he became an <laughs> acrobat, but like, but yeah, like it was just, you know, and then uh, I think the, the, one of the contortionists on that show, she was like a second generation. So she had been sort of adopted into a diet that you, you sort of need to sort of do that stuff. Right. And there's this mix of people like, and also like, it reminds me a lot, you know, I used to work in pro wrestling, Jake, uh, I used to be an announcer years ago. And it reminds <laughs> me a lot of pro wrestling mm -hmm. in the sense that you had all these sort of people who were like, Oh, that, you know, like the rock, the rocks, a third generation pro wrestler. Like his, his uh, granddad was high chief Peter Maivia and his dad was Rocky Johnson. And then at the same time you get a guy who comes over um, and he was like, Oh, he was, uh, he was in the NFL. So he's kind of got some tools and we're like, it's this mix of like old tradition and, people looking to sort of apply their their own skill sets to a new medium mm -hmm. um and i think that's part of like what we struggle with in general with 
sort of getting the word out or getting more people involved in it is it is so amorphous and it is right. so personal. Right. Um, so anytime we get close to creating a way to do it, mm -hmm. it almost defies the very nature of it. Like, it's yeah. like, well, no, no one wants to do that anymore. Like, we're like, well, that's your way. Now we're going to, we're going to invent a whole new way to do it. I was like, that's no way to build a business guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, no, it's not. No, it's not. It, it defies so much form. And I mean, I try to, you know, be when I, have to explain it to people, lay people, or even people in comedy who don't really know that much about it. Um, I, it's, it's, it is hard to like sort of pitch it, you know, I mean, there is a bit of improv and, you know, there's, it's, it's very like uh, interactive and cathartic and, you know, and there, there are characters and there are scenes but uh, it's very much ephemeral and in the moment. And there's uh, so much that is, you know, like you said, based on failure and celebrating failure. And, you know, that seems with all of that to somebody, it's like, okay. it's like a riddle. You've yeah, just, what is that? You just sort of like, you sphinxed them. Yeah. You're like, what is it? Well, it is ephemeral and ethereal. It is there yeah. and it is not there. Would right. you like to go to the show? Yeah. Um, It'd be no, easy I, to just yeah. take them, you know. I think, you know, what I tend to say is like, you know, it's a show that kind of celebrates its joy and it's very much, you know, it, it's an interactive experience with the audience. And like, right. I don't know if there's a better way. Like mm -hmm. also, you know, when we're talking about people in the community, like you look at the way, say like a Natalie, which bring up Natalie Palomita is like mm -hmm. what her show, um, her show Nate looks like. Right. And then you go out to Vegas and you look at like Absinthe, which we talked about earlier. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's the same thing. It's like, well, in a way it is because in both examples, the show has been completely constructed for the audience's experience of it. Right. You know, whereas I think while you take like a deaf standup, certainly they are with the audience and they're paying attention and they're ready to react. And if you go to a comedy club where someone's featuring for 45 minutes, I mean, God, if they're traveling through the flyover states, they might do what, 20 minutes of their material, right? right? Like they're just looking for ways. So like these elements aren't exclusive to us. It's no. just that we focus just primarily, that's our first priority. Right. Is sort of that this element of like, you know, and then it gets even harder, Jake, when you start talking about like you can do profound clown stuff. That's like, you could be Slava and you could do beautiful clown stuff and snow right. shows and it could be epic and just, mm -hmm. uh, Wait, you know, well, like, so what it's, are Slava and snow shows? Explain that. So Slava is this um, clown. I think he's in his seventies at this point, but mm -hmm. he has a show he does where there's like in the, it's sort of the end of the show, there's a snowstorm and really? snow. Mm. It's not really, but like sort of snow I'm doing air quotes right. kind of flows out into the audience. And then he does all these, skill acts with like pantomime and like movement and it's very delicate and beautiful and like and and you're sort of part of this snowstorm you know like you're in this and it's like so and then you know with their Cirque du Soleil and right. like so it's like yeah it's like almost feels like we're waiting to break off you know I think the reason so the one show I do Clowns in the Dark which is Natalie Palomides, Jed Eveleth, Dean Evans, myself uh with a sean stoner directs it and babsy singer does music for it mm -hmm. i think we're all very much people who went through long form improv of some right. form or another right. and also had a real love like dean's like a, an excellent mime and like right. tr very well trained in clown jets very well trained in clown yep. you know i have a ton of training in idiot work and worked with dr brown for years right. so but but we love the idea 
of improv structure. We love the idea of like a false narrative, right. you know, that we're going to. And so that made sense for us because we were all like, oh, we kind of want to tell a story and we kind of want to do scenes. Sure. But, you know, there are clowns that like, I mean, I know John Gilkey who runs the Idiot Workshop. Right. Like I would do, I would do just to kind of piss him off in a fun way. I would do scene work in The Merge, which was a yeah. show we did, an idiot show. With and the, like the most amorphous thing I've probably ever seen. Yeah, that was like, you want to talk about just professional dancers and, yeah. you know, and stand-ups and, and uh, you know, like people who do performance artists and, right. you know, and like wrangling that show. But that was the joy and beauty of the show was, uh, but like often if people had done some really good physical work, I'd come out and start what seemed to be a terrible improv 101 class scene, <laughs> right? You know, like, like as sort of just to sort of turn the audience against me. And like, so it could exist in that world, but I mean, if you are in an idiot class and unless you get like a huge laugh and you start to like say object work, open a, a you know, a can of Coke, you're going to get yelled at like, what, yeah. they're like what, the, what the hell are you doing? Like, that's not real. <laughs> right. So, you know, so if that's not the mischief that it's not real and I know it and I'm now I'm, screwing with you yeah so i i think for us we really wanted to kind of play with the idea of manufacturing a reality on stage while still having the audience see us the clowns the whole time right in the effort of making the show and and with the sunday show mm -hmm. it's got another layer so you have right. the clown right. who's out there and then the clown's playing a character right and then that character is doing a show so right. That's the challenge of that show, which is we want you to enjoy it on all three levels. We want you to maybe get involved, like invested in this scene right. and then also laugh that the scene's being done by two right-wing pro wrestling trolls. Yeah. And then also laugh at Chad yeah. who thinks it's so funny to be doing this character right. or like, you know, so I'm also like, you know, so it's that sort of everything is dumb and simple, but yet we're trying to exist on three planes Right. Oh, Reality. I see those planes. Yeah. Although, I, for me, what's interesting from the audience, because Sean is a plane too, the director. Yeah. Um, it's like, so for those who haven't gone, and I guess you you guys are creating your own form. Um, the Clowns in the Dark show, as you have it now, there are four performers generally, and you ha are in pairs, and you make up your own sort of characters that are a duo that are diametrically opposed from each other. It, um, it usually just works out that way. <laughs> so, really? <laughs> yeah, we don't plan it. Yeah. We usually okay. Just... Okay. So yeah, the, there was like a, a, a German expressionist dance t duo that Dean and Jet were part of. Yeah. And uh, you and Natalie uh, were yeah, right wing pro wrestling troll. Natalie specifically played a right wing cross, uh, like a like crossing guard. Yeah. yeah. And um but even that was like the funny right. part about that is we had talked a few times over the weekend and I was like, we're going to be white trash. And then like two seconds before I left, she FaceTimed me and there she is in like a bra and a crossing guards outfit. And I was like, yeah. what the hell is that? She's like, that's my character. I was like, we, I sent you pictures. We're going to be like, like filthy. Cause I knew they were doing the German expressionists. Right. So I was like, Oh, let's be the like white trash. And she's like, I know, but I got excited about this crossing guard so then like our our idea doesn't even make sense like, you know right. like but like that's even more exciting it's like oh this all of this is a big mess you know right. just from the go right 
so there's that level of it where there's that sort of clash and then sean is you know on on in the area on stage i don't know what we want to call it yet but he's live directing it and is able to sort of rather than having edits like he just cuts you off and yeah unless we, we run him over unless we like often right. our favorite thing to do is just completely just not listen to him at all <laughs> yeah and that's another fun element of the show that that, that like it's it, i mean it's beyond the fourth wall almost like so at a different show that you do uh on wednesdays the clown zoo at the old la zoo i went to one and you kept spanking everybody oh yeah yeah and i was really natalie, getting them too yeah natalie palomitas was in character as uh miss miss skin mrs skin. mrs skin she's very for whatever reason she's very specific that she is married um <laughs> like because i've said called her miss skin she's like it's mrs skin i was like who's this mr skin because you know who you who do you think of when i say mr skin i think of the website the website so i was like are you like so that like cracks me up that maybe your husband is this creep who has yeah. a website about when there's nudity in films, you know? Yeah, but makes so much money that you can go just play a bugle and direct like a clown mask. <laughs> right, you, you, you don't have any, you could just have your fun because you're covered financially. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so Chad um, started spanking everybody in the scene. And then Natalie, as Mrs. Skin, uh, paused the scene to reprimand you. Yeah. And, and then you disobeyed again. And then everybody, including the other clowns that were off stage, um, ganged up on you and then all spanked you. Oh, beat the shit out of me. And also yeah. I had bruises all over me. Like, oh, really? Like there's a cert- Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, obviously it was all done in fun, but they caught me. Like I had a, I think I still have a bruise on this arm. You can see it right there. <laughs> but like, but you know, like there's this sort of sense of danger and also that like, it's not real, but it is kind of real. Right. Like, like, you know, I think we're always just, a lot of the things we're talking about with the layers, what we're really trying to accomplish, I think often mm-hmm. is, well, what are they, like, what am I seeing that I'm not supposed to see? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, okay, the show is that obviously they're all in masks, but are they really mad at this actor right. for spanking everyone? Like, you know, yeah. like these moments, like, and we're, we're harnessing the energy because everyone wants to see something they're not supposed to see. Sure. You know, whether it's a crash in a NASCAR race mm-hmm. or like a moment of two actors fumbling and arguing side stage in a yeah. play. Like we would right. lose our shit. If you were at like um, Diary of Anne Frank mm-hmm. and you and Anne, and Anne is like arguing with another actor on the side stage, we would be like, this is awesome. Like we'd be like, oh my God. Uh, so we're like trying to sort of create an environment where you're constantly feeling like the rules are being broken. Right. Uh, and that you're allowed to see it when you otherwise are protected from this, you know? Right. Yeah. And you guys definitely put that up. I mean, that's just a, it's such an interesting dynamic to play with. Cause I mean, you know, I guess you have to just have trust in the rest of your, everybody that you're playing with that they'll be okay. I, re- I remember seeing back in like, the, old days the before times i i saw one show it might have been the monday night show um where it it was like phil burgers directing and it's like you courtney peroso uh natalie um christina Catherine martinez ian bracci um and a few others but i i remember distinctly you slapping ian really hard in the chest and he like broke and he's like oh man that really hurt 
Yeah, I really got. I, I, I legitimately remember catching him. Well, here's the thing too is, and it's like kind of a known thing. Like I just end up apologizing a lot because like, I'm just a little bit of a girl. I get too excited. And, and I also, I come from a background of like, uh, just like a little more pain is okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like when, when juice, not only the pro wrestling, but when I was in Jetso with uh, Juzo Yoshida, I mean, Juzo is like a black belt in judo. Like right. he's a tough grizzled, <laughs> like he yeah. looks like a soft little sweetie, but like, right. I mean, we would just smack each other and like, really like, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, like when he wasn't ready for it, I would just like, kind of make my hand into a knife and just shove it as far up the crack of his ass through his pant. Like I would try to get inside his butt <laughs> during his show Damn. because people would, people would lose their shit. Like, you know what I mean? Especially if he had died, I'd right. always pretend something was in there, like right. a, a map right. or like my grandfather's watch uh-huh. and then his body would go crazy. And so like, I mean, just the other day I felt terrible. Um, I was doing like that kind of spanky thing, the show right. you saw, and I really caught Christina's finger. She she was holding a bunch of stuff and I yeah. came over to do it. And she just, I mean, not that she did anything wrong. She went to defend herself and I totally know it, like it's stung. And then it's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Right. But like, I guess collectively we're all kind of like, yeah, that's going to happen. Like we all accept mm-hmm. that we have to, you know, take responsibility for it. But in this little collection of friends right. that once in a while we're going to go too far and right. then we're going to have to talk about it and like this and that. And like, it is this sort of, it kind of keeps it exciting, but also as a performer, you're like, Oh, I don't want to be that. Right. I don't want to be this gorilla. Who comes no, in. No, no. You know, just right. like, although you waste. do tear off your shirt every show. Oh my God. I just actually figured out the math from this uh, year. And I thought I'm looking at like about a $350 a year on tank, <laughs> For sure. on tank tops. Like that's just, <laughs> I was like, cause I was, cause someone asked me again last night about it. And I was like, oh, it's like five, five, you know, he's like, sometimes I can get them for five bucks. Right. And then I was like, wait a minute, I've been ripping off multiple shirts at two mm-hmm. shows a week. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing the math again. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to cost me like $350 this year. Like what a, <laughs> what a crazy way to lose $350. But then it, what, what if that's what you get known for? And <laughs> you just I gotta, keep I'll go broke. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, you have it, to get sponsored really, by Hanes. It's so funny because I, I mean, this shirt ripping thing off goes back to my, again, my Jetso days. Mm-hmm. I used to do it a lot in those shows, but it's somehow it's, it's advanced now that like, I'm lucky to, I was very happy last night to go only go through one shirt. Right. Because people, like I have four to five shirts in my bag. Right. I'm ready for like the pattern to go all night. Mm-hmm. And like, just see, cause I'll tell you, if you rip off a third shirt, the place mm-hmm. loses it. Cause then there was like, <laughs> Oh, this is like uh, irresponsible. This is, <laughs> You know, um, I'm a big, you know, a lot of, and this is, again, we talked about current clown and different influences, Mm -hmm. but I do think mostly like a pro wrestler, you know, because that to me is clown. And yeah, absolutely. To me, I want to be like the Ric Flair of clown, you know, like, like Ric Flair has like seven moves that he Mm -hmm. sort of injured, you know, he has the face flop and he gets thrown from the top rope and he has the chop and the woo. And so for me, and I get teased a lot about it, but I'm like, an audience loves when you have like signature clown moves. Oh yeah. Like, like they love that you're so like, even the way I dance, it's like, yeah, weird. the like, way you I, dance is very specific. And that's by design. Like I, I don't want to dance. Like I, I can dance a bunch of ways, but like yeah. when I'm in shows, I want to dance like this because there is some comfort that comes 
with like really feeling like you know this performer, you know, and then my job is to sort of apply these things in unique ways, mm -hmm. you know. That's great. Yeah, I, um, well, I hope you uh, can figure a way to like keep your shirt budget under control or just like get free shirts, free tank tops. I was thinking I've been keeping them because I used yep. to just throw them out and I'm like, right. I'm gonna start like, ruggedly sewing them back together yeah so they barely fit like like that like that i kind of get like there's like like so that way there won't even be any joy in ripping it because it's like four <laughs> shirts because i think that would be a good way to get in trouble with the audience right you know that'd be, um, that'd be <laughs> how do you think that collective trust that we were talking about has translated into doing shows during the pandemic i mean obviously you guys all had to agree and then kind of fields of dreams it from there yeah, I think I'll tell you what was the big turning point for me personally with mm -hmm. it was the Black Lives Matter protests. Interesting. Because when that all happened and you had 20,000 people marching down Hollywood Avenue and stuff like that, that mm -hmm. was the first time I even was like, oh, maybe we can do something together because mm -hmm. we, we don't perform like we are we we have a lot of physical contact. Um, mm -hmm. We work really hard not to touch our faces and touch each other's faces and right. this and that. And, you know, we keep hand sanitizer, but. I think before I saw that people could be shoulder to shoulder if they were outside, like I was like, this just doesn't, there's just no way to do this and feel any sense of comfort on stage, which is huge. Mm -hmm. So after those, after I saw that this was not sort of a major source of like um, COVID numbers, that in fact, like these protests did not seem to like waver the numbers one way or the other. Right. Um, that's when, and Jet actually, you know, to be fair, Jet Eveleth was the first person to contact. The, it all started with, she contacted me mm -hmm. uh, about just doing some stuff after one of the classes she was teaching. And we then quickly invited Dean in mm -hmm. after just, and we were super rusty, but it was still fun. But right. yeah, like, I think, I think just making like, you know, like learning, like, I think the Wednesday show is interesting because we have like a second mask. So mm -hmm. we wear our, our, you know, our surgical masks, but we also actually wear neutral masks right? and stuff like that. And like we, like I said, we do, and that show, we do do a lot of solo stuff. And like, right. like the Sunday show is a lot more of us kind of on top of each other, Oh yeah, you know, um, and a lot of physical contact and yeah, like, you know, I mean, we definitely had conversations about like, you know, like, don't take your mask off for a laugh. Right. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, don't, don't like, like, and by the way, people, I remember you were, you were at that ice show, I think. Right. It was a I record to heat weekend. It was like 114. And, and, and the fires too. The, so yeah, the air the, was the, terrible. Yeah. yeah. The state was very, very much on fire and uh, you decided to do a show anyway. And people showed up, including me. And we, we had a good little crowd, but I remember at one point, I faced away from the cast and the audience and I spit water out mm -hmm. in a mm -hmm. big mist. Cause I was right. like, that'll be hilarious. And right. I, can I can remember mm -hmm. feeling the audience really didn't like, like in a way that like, Oh, that's not funny. To Even though you did it in the other way, like that you spit all these drops. I did it literally. Cause I was like, how funny is it? Like, this is literally how it spread. I'm going to just right. do it in the other way. Right. And I'll, and so I think that was very informative to me that like, this isn't about us, saying screw you to people trying to stay alive and keep right. their parents alive right <laughs> yeah this is like you know and i was like and it, you know it's so funny that that can like when you're someone who's always trying to push 
and sort of make people feel unstable and like for the that roller coaster excitement it's like oh that's not what's fun about this what's fun about this is that while you watch it you feel like that these people are taking are trying to do this as safely as possible Mm -hmm. but also trying to put the best show they can on right that they're not in like kind of battling through these restrictions and so you have to mentally really do care for every you know what i mean and you know like and that's why also even in the sunday show like i really encourage like i always bring this big thing of hand sanitizer i'm like do it every time like every time you get off stage just these little things like we don't know how what will matter but like if we can just be a little safer and just like keep playing, you know, and, and not make a big deal, like not show the audience us doing it or, but just like the audience will feel our concern for their safety. Yeah. You know, if we have it, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I definitely feel that for sure. As opposed to like, you know, what's interesting is so much of clown and idiot as I've seen it and you guys performing it is like being interactive and like to the point of going into the audience, touching the audience, interacting mm-hmm. with the audience that way, sometimes crawling over them. Obviously you can't do that now, but I feel like you've still like in sort of wandering around socially distanced audience, which is interesting. Uh, you still make it work. And then I, don't know, <laughs> I guess they're just friends that you know in the audience that you know who they are under their mask that you feel free to talk them more i usually yeah you know it's funny when in the before times it didn't matter to me i would just be like oh if i saw i'd read the room you know i'd like if someone was really having a good time i see a big smile on their face i'm like they'll love if i tease them or they'll love like or you know like sometimes i'll test somebody early in a clown show like i'll just have them do some activity with me and then later i'll come back and i'll pick them up because i'm like they're fine Right. And you know, that no longer exists. I can't see how people feel. Right. I, so now at these shows, I pick on people I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I pick on people I know and like, and, and pretty exclusively, you know, like right. once in a while things I'll do, like one of my new things is I do when people are sitting, cause it's not even that athletic. I'll like whip my foot over their head or I'll right. like jump over their head, which is like, yeah. Like, cause that feels dangerous, but it also fe- doesn't feel germ dangerous. No, 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 it doesn't. You know, it's just like, oh yeah, he like, but like, yeah, like I remember I did a show once and like, I just kept putting my foot in people's faces mm-hmm. and like, it felt like at the same time I was almost honoring a greater social distance, but it mm-hmm. also was like, how dare you put your foot in my, like, <laughs> so like you're constantly trying to reinvent how you can feel like that the audience feels very implicated. Right. You know, um, and that's been fun. I mean, I think the Sunday, you know, the difference is like the Wednesday show, we're doing all this neutral mask stuff and it's such an exercise. Define neutral mask for people that don't know. So, you know, this comes, you know, this is like in the sort of cornerstone of like how theater was invented, but like back, you know, when theater was just starting out, you know, uh, performers wore masks so you could see their expression from a distance and, and shows were usually silent because you just couldn't project, there's no microphones and stuff. And so there's a whole tradition of mask work. And, and from neutral mask, like there's a ton of different types of masks with different specific faces, sad, happy, and this, that. We're really not delving into that yet because it's expensive. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. you know, we put these neutral masks on and then like we have a live musician and it's our obligation to physically tell these stories, like right. with really exaggerated gesture and stuff oh, like yeah. that. And and it, it's been such a wild learning experience, like things that when you can show your face, little gest- little subtle gestures are meaningless. 
-hmm. they look like you're just kind of wobbling, but like, so everything is so big. And, and at the same time too, if you do too much because they can't see your face, the audience is reading into your movement in ways you don't want. So you're learning economy and like exaggeration and, and, you know, really fixing your movements and really making big choice. And, and I've watched all of us get better and better at it. So that Wednesday show has been this real education and just being a physical presence on stage. Right. And then the Sunday show has been basically like Commedia dell'arte. It's like, we've got a, you know, a crowd in the town square that can come and go as they please. And so we're body and loud and we make right. really big choices. And oh, yeah. like you have like nothing subtle works. Nothing <laughs> no. subtle works. No. And uh, so, yeah, it's like, that's why too, when you asked earlier in this conversation, it's like, well, what's next? Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh man, it's like, now that we've been reintroduced to this idea of like, we can do more, Mm -hmm. we can work harder. It's like, I want to do that at the Lyric. I want to do that at the Virgil, you know, I want to do that at the comedy store. Like I want to go up there and be like, these walls cannot contain me, but I, but I don't quite know what that means yet. You know what I mean? Probably more along. So Chad does this character where I I don't know. Do you want me, want me to ruin this? I don't feel like, Oh yeah, it's fine. I mean, no one really, really believes it. (laughs) (laughs) So Chad plays uh, often when he's booked on standup shows and he's just performing by himself, he'll um, play the role of this detective who has been drugged and then uh, has been, uh, equipped with a C4 on his chest. And uh, as he's waking from a stupor, uh, he is instructed uh, via his cell phone to go on stage and tell these terrible, terrible jokes. And he can, or else the uh, explosives will go off. And I'll, everyone will die. So, <laughs> so sort of, it's like, I've, you know, and I write these bad jokes and, yeah. Um, but yeah, like the, the idea is that I'm saving the audience by torturing the audience. Which so, is so funny. Yeah, and I saw I, yeah. I saw you do it at Hot Tub and that was the, I mean, did you feel it? Like there people kind of bought it for like a minute. Like it was- Oh, great. for sure. I felt I felt a lot of assholes tighten up when I was walking <laughs> through the crowd. I was like, yeah. oh yeah. I was thought it was so funny because it's such a ridiculous vest because all the C4 is marked C4. Like as yeah. if, like who would do that? Like, you know, you just think about how, just from a pra- practical standpoint, like the right. idea of like, yeah, we've marked it all just in case your kid doesn't think it's Play-Doh. It's like, that's not how C4 works. But no. um, I've had, I did it, you know, and by the way, I've also found like there's certain places. I did that bit at the setup in San Francisco, which is, I mean, it's a broom closet. Right. Um, it is so small. And let me tell you, it was a tough eight minutes, like around <laughs> minute four, they uh-huh. weren't, they finally started laughing, but for four minutes, they were like, it is not funny to wear a bomb vest in a club this small in San Francisco. Um, so it is, and that's the other reason, like, so I have these, you know, the kind of my other real go-to character is the right. security guard. Right. And I, and I kind of developed that one so I could do this in other States cause you can't fly apparently with a fake bomb vest, I guess. Right. News to me, <laughs> it's news yeah. to me, Jake. Cool. I'm glad we, that's a thing we all know now. But, um, but even, and that was like, and it's all been interesting because these are all clown bits, you know, these are all bits based in I'm, I'm underprepared. Like I do not have good, I have to win them over somehow with, with a bad idea. But um, when I first doing the security guard, when I first started doing it, I would go on stage furious. Like, I'd be like, who the fuck wrote, you know, like, I just be like, like I would really, and then I realized that that somehow was even 
made the audience more nervous than the bomb vest. <laughs> so, th- so then I started coming up like I was a, a beleaguered uh, security guard and just be like, hey, everybody, you know, like, I know I'll have trying to have a good time here. You know, like, I'm, I'm just, I got to get home. I got a babysitter. And like, so the crowd would feel bad, like, oh, this poor security guard can't leave till he figures out whose notebook this is. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, like it's been, it's, yeah, it's been interesting kind of, because I think I'm actually about to dust off the old bomb vest. I won't say, I can't say where, but I'm about to start doing some shows in the area wearing that vest again. Right. And I'm so curious to see like in this, in, in the mood of times now. Like, yeah. Like e- people are pe- chanting yeah. defund the police and you come out yeah. in a bomb vest. <laughs> yeah. Like our, also I did this bit before the, like, I mean, obviously like I'm, Hey, I'm no fan of the police. Sure. <laughs> I don't think that's so controversial to say, nope. but now like I still was painted as the hero because right. it was like an eighties act. So now I'm like this detective. So I'm like, Oh, I wonder if even they're just going to be like, eat shit <laughs> you know they're like eat shit cop like right. so but i'm excited to get up there and here's the thing and this is very clown it's like it's about just about adjustments mm-hmm. you know it's just about somehow whether if they don't like the character you're playing then put that character in the shit immediately mm-hmm. you know like and or you know make an adjustment where somehow they have to root for this character so i'm excited to see how all that plays out right right yeah, you're a conflicted cop. You, you want to quit the force? You realize how corrupt yeah. it is? Oh, sure. I, I have definitely thought about just like, listen, guys, you know, first off, Black Lives Matter. <laughs> I just want you to know, you know, um, I voted for Nithya Ram. Like, just like, you know, just all these, I thought it'd be funny to sort of like, sort of be very progressive. And right. like, so like these have all crossed my mind. I'm like, maybe I'm overthinking and maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe it's just, mm-hmm people can still get lost in the movie trope that I'm playing, you know? Right. Right. Um, I can't wait to see what you do. I, I have a feeling that, I mean, you're, you know, you talk about working hard and, you know, you've gotten to sort of utilize the space outside, but there will be just like live streaming isn't going to go away. It's going to be sort of integrated somehow, some way. Um, I think like, I imagine you guys just taking greater advantage of whatever space you're afforded or dreaming of different spaces that are a little more uh, untraditional and, but would provide more opportunity to do something or even at Lyric, like, I mean, this happens sometimes when, I don't know, people have done like a Halloween thing where instead of just like taking, having the show take place in the room, they utilize like the green room and the hallway and, you know, right. And out, out going outside and, you know, uh, I mean, playing with all those different spaces and whatnot. I mean, uh, I can only imagine what you guys would do with it. And that'd be very fun. I'm, you know, I, I feel like as much as obviously like everyone else, I'd love this nightmare to be over. Sure. I do feel like me personally, and I, I think I could speak for some of my friends doing this work that mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of like back at school figuring out what's next. Right. And so like, it isn't like, I don't feel like I'm withering away anymore. Right. Which I think a lot of us felt. Yeah. So, yeah. so like if it's, if it's sooner rather than later, wonderful. And if it takes a little longer then I just feel like when we get there, mm-hmm. we are going to have some stuff to show people. Yeah. That's really going to surprise them. You right. Know? And, 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 and I, I can get behind that and I get excited about that. Yeah. Uh, me too, man. What would you, um, what would you say to people that 
really, I mean, you know, people have their opinions, but people who are detractors of clowning an idiot, what would you, if you had to convince them to reconsider, what would you say? I guess, you know, I would say that like a lot of times when I see people recoil at this kind of work, mm-hmm. it really is more about their own kind of, their own perceptions of how they want to be seen. Right. Like, I think what they react to are people who like have, you know, are not operating from a place of pride. Right. You know, or ego, like, Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes I know definitely when I was kind of doing clown in the improv world, you know, and and, I got to headline a bunch of places all over, you know, Canada and the States Mm -hmm. and, but like when I felt that sort of hatred, because mm-hmm. <laughs> it was never like, I never felt disinterest. It was either people loved it or hated it. Right. It was almost as if like I was challenging what, what, how far they'd have to go right. to entertain an audience. And they, and like, and I, I think, I think, you know, I think we all like, we're doing stuff that should universally just be fun. Right. You know, just uh, just silly, goofy, playful stuff. How you play with your dog, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, and and yeah, like I, I guess my argue, like my argument would be, hey, look, watch what you want, you know, obviously, yeah. but but understand that like you're probably taking more more this more on yourself than you should be, right. like like we are as performers having a great time and doing exactly what we want and like this isn't a reflection of how you need to perform or how you need to act or what you need to do to be funny. This is just an opportunity for you to relax and, and go along with this silliness, you know? I, I would, I, (laughs) I would urge them to do the same and hopefully they will. I've always had a great time. I, when I've taken people to clown shows that have no idea what it is, I just, a lot of times don't even try explaining it. Just like, this isn't going to be anything like you've seen before, but just trust me. Just like, oh, that's yeah, that's probably the perfect way to do it, Jake. You know, yeah. just really side, you know, waylay them, T bone them. <laughs> yeah. Just like, yeah, I, I rather than explain this, just immerse yourself and let it wash over you. Um, that's that's pretty much the episode, Chad. Thank you so much for joining me. I had a great time, Jake. Always good to see you and uh, look forward to listening. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, uh, where can people find you online, Chad? Anything else you'd like to promote? You know, I, most of my promotion these days is just Instagram. Um, I'm the Chad Demiani at Instagram. Um, you know, I, I definitely, like I said, I'm going to be doing some more stand-up stuff soon, and I have these two shows every week. Right. Um, if you're in the Los Angeles area, they're all these shows, like people bring blankets and audiences are socially distanced and, and they're wearing masks. Everyone's very respectful. Everyone wears masks, including the performers and the audience. So, you know, if, if you feel comfortable, you know, come on out. We, you know, it's, it's been pretty, pretty magical mm-hmm. uh, to sort of bring theater back and stuff. And yeah. Um, also, I'm not doing it anymore this year, but I do teach. Mm-hmm. So I'll be, you know, I have information on my Instagram about that. If, if you were interested on Zoom right. to sort of kind of experience what Jake and I were talking about, you right. can send me a DM and we can talk more about it. Right. Great. Um, I am Jake Kroger. I found the Comedy Bureau. Uh, you can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com, across socials at the Comedy Bureau. 
Uh, I'm on Instagram at not the supermarket and on Twitter at MFJ Kroger. There are a lot of great causes to support at this time, but if you have money or generosity after that, uh, you know, the Comedy Bureau could sure use it. And the Comedy Bureau, of course, is just me. Um, you like to say anything as we sign off here? Uh, a pleasure getting to chat with you for an extended period of time, my friend. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Uh, same to you. Uh, as I like to say at the end of every episode, comedy is still happening, as the great Brody Stevens would say. Enjoy it! The Comedy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Grineo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.